You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, kitties, and welcome to my world. I would come over and say hello to you, but it's just as easy for you to come to me. Yes, yes, come in. You've come to the right place. This is where you'll learn everything there is to know about your furry feline friends. I'm talking about cats. Yes, I know. We are positively perfect pets. What do you mean I have attitude? Why, of course I do. I'm a cat. It's called Catitude. As I was saying, this show is all about cats. Cats and... Uh, oh, yes, uh, cats. So let me introduce you to my accomplice, I mean assistant and host of Catitude, Tom Doc. Okay, Tom, tell them how wonderful we cats are. It's okay, you have my permission. Welcome to the Catitude Channel on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Tom Doc, and once again, we are here to talk about all things feline and have fun with our little kitty cat friends. Glad that you're back with us. We've got a good show today. I'm very excited about it. We're actually going to be talking about British, American, and exotic short hairs today, kind of wrapping up three breeds all together in one show because they're very similar, have a similar history. And I just think that we really need to focus on these cats for a little while. We've been really talking about, you know, the exotic Siamese and the, the gorgeous Persians and these massive Maine Coon cats over the last several weeks. And I think our short hairs often will get neglected because to a lot of people, they look just like any other cat. And that brings up a very good point that I wanted to talk with my listeners about today. And I got an email from Elizabeth in Ohio. And hi, Elizabeth. Hope things are going well. She has a new kitty, and his name is Elliot. And her question to me was, hey, can you tell just by looking at a cat what kind of breeds might be in its background? And, you know, that's a very good question and one that I get a lot, especially when I'm at the shelter or when I was in the veterinary clinics is, well, what do you think is in his background? And I want to talk a little bit about that today just to let you guys know how you can look for pedigreed cats, uh, the difference between pedigreed cats and non-pedigreed cats, and just help yourself out a little bit when you're in these shelters and you see something that says Siamese mix or Maine Coon mix or something along those lines. But first, as always, we have got to say hello to our sponsors and good morning to them. Thank them for being part of our show. We're very excited that they're able to help us out here at Pet Life Radio. Before we go, though, let's talk about a little trivia question. I always try to have one. And since we're focused on British short hairs today, I do have a question for you that involves a British short hair. The British short haired breed was the model that this author used for the Cheshire cat in The Adventures of Alice in Wonderland. Now, this is a pretty easy trivia question. Just let me know who was that author that wrote Alice in Wonderland. And we will be back right after these messages. Ooh, do I hear a can being opened? I believe I smell tuna. Catitude will return after these messages. That should give me enough time to investigate what's going on in the kitchen. Don't have a hissy fit. We'll be right back. I love cleaning the litter box, said no one ever. 
Luckily, there's World's Best Cat Litter, the litter that promises less mess with less litter. Only World's Best Cat Litter uses the concentrated power of corn to quickly trap odors in tight clumps. And quick clumping means you never have to chisel or scrape the box. Less cleanup with less wasted litter? That's a litter bit amazing. Save $2 on World's Best Cat Litter. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. How dare they open a can of tuna and make a sandwich out of it? I can see why some of my celebrity pals prefer lasagna. Well, anyway, I did manage to grab myself the canary while I was in there. Quiet, bird. We're going to hear the rest of my show, Catitude. If you behave, I may not eat you. Until later. Hmm. Okay, Tom, you may continue. Okay, and we are back on the Catitude channel at PetLife Radio. Pretty easy trivia question for you today. Who was the author of Alice in Wonderland? And that author was none other than Lewis Carroll. And Lewis Carroll and his illustrator decided to use the British shorthair as the model for the Cheshire Cat that was in Alice in Wonderland. And it really makes a lot of sense because the British shorthairs were really coming into their heyday in the late 1860s, um, early 1870s. And of course, Lewis Carroll wrote Alice in Wonderland in 1865. So there's a little bit of history, a little bit of trivia to put away in your brain for a little while. Now, before we get on to the British and American shorthairs today and talking about those breeds, I wanted to answer Elizabeth from Ohio's question about, can you look at a cat and tell what kind of breeds might be in its genetic makeup? And the short answer is, really, you can't. Oftentimes, you'll go to a shelter or a humane society, or maybe even you'll see some kittens for sale in the paper, and they'll say, hey, these are Siamese mix or Persian mix cats. One thing that I want you guys to think about is when you're looking at these cats is remember from our previous shows that a lot of these specific markers that make up these breeds, like the pointed colors in the Siamese cat, are simply due to a recessive gene. And what that means is if the kitten gets the recessive gene from mom and the recessive gene from dad, you're going to have that coloration. And that's exactly what happened with long-haired cats. It happened with pointed cats back several hundred years ago, and people thought they were unique and different and tried to breed specifically for those qualities. So in theory, you could have any two cats, you know, a calico and an orange and white, throw Siamese kittens, throw long-haired kittens, anything like that. All it takes is the right combination of genetics. Now, this is an important thing because a lot of people do want to have the consistency of a pedigreed cat. And certainly by chance, any non-pedigreed short-haired cat could look just like a Siamese or could look like a Maine Coon or a Persian. In fact, I think I said last time on my show that my Vulcan here at home to me looks like a Maine Coon if he just had pointed ears. He's that large. But the thing that you got to keep in mind is that the difference between a pedigreed cat and a non-pedigreed is that pedigreed cat will produce kittens of the same physical conformation, same type, same coat quality, and the same temperament. And a lot of times, of course, your random bred domestic cats just aren't going to do that. Pedigreed cats have years of selective breeding behind them, and certainly there's been a lot of careful recording of generations of these cats to guarantee that the kittens from this cat's litter 
are going to be pedigreed cats. Now, I don't want you guys going away from the show saying, gosh, Tom's being mean and saying that there should only be pedigreed cats. That's not my point at all. I just want to say that a lot of times I think shelters and humane societies feel almost obligated to the cat to make it special in some way. And they'll put it up on the sign, Siamese mix or Persian mix because it has long hair. And they're trying to do what's best for the cat and get it into a home. I just want you guys to realize that Long-haired is simply a recessive gene. It doesn't mean there's any Persians in the background. Certainly, if you get a Siamese-looking cat that's not pedigreed, probably somewhere in the background of both parents are Siamese cats. But just keep in mind, it's a single recessive gene, and that's all it takes to make a Siamese or make a Persian a lot of times. Or at least a Siamese or Persian-looking cat. I guess I should qualify myself there. All right, I'm going to get off my soapbox now because that's enough of that. And let's talk today about the British American and exotic shorthairs. And they fit right into the show today because these cats are often neglected or not looked at as purebred cats because they look like other cats. They look like the working cats, the domestic cats that we see around in the shelters and everything. And that's where their basis is from. These were developed from non-pedigreed pets and working cats in Europe and North America. Now, the Romans first introduced cats to Britain more than 2,000 years ago. And they brought these cats along, of course, to control the rats and the mice so that the grain storage would be safe. Similarly, when the pilgrims came over on the Mayflower... And all the other early settlers of North America, they would bring cats along as well to hunt the rats on the ship. As you can well imagine, at that point in our history, crossing the Atlantic a lot of times took, you know, a month or more. And rats can breed very, very quickly. And certainly you wouldn't want to have that many rats on your ship. So the cats would hunt the rats. And then they became the basis of all of these North American short-haired cats, these native North American short-haired cats. Now, eventually, because these cats were such prolific ratters and mousers, people started specifically breeding them for that trait, and they wanted to save these lines. And so this is where some of the first selective breeding came about with the short-haired cats. In fact, I was looking in my research here, and there was an American short-haired cat, a brown tabby, back in 1896, so 112 years ago that was offered for sale for $2,500. And this was at the second annual cat show at the Madison Square Garden, again, back in 1896. Now, $2,500, that's a lot of money. But let's keep in mind that was in 1896 and the dollars in 1896. If you made that equivalent to today's dollars, that cat was being sold for almost $62,000. And that's just amazing. And it also shows how important these cats had become to people in really just a few hundred years. Now, the British shorthairs, as I mentioned, have been very popular as well over in Britain. Um, They were finally kind of usurped from their top ranking um, in the 1880s and late 1870s by, of course, the Persians and the very exotic Siamese that were coming in. And we almost lost the British short-haired breed after both World War I and World War II simply because there weren't enough breeders with these cats and a lot of the lines started dying out. In fact, after World War II, many breeders went back and added Persian lineage 
into their British Shorthairs to get that solid body type back. Now, people who own these cats will say that they are truly a teddy bear of a cat, absolutely wonderful with the family and really with any type of animal. They are well known for getting along with all types of, of animals. They were first shown in solid colors, but certainly you can see just about any color. Just like I said with the Persians, there's probably more than 80 different color variations that you're going to find with the British Shorthairs and the American Shorthairs as well. Let me take a little tangent here real quick and we're going to talk about the exotic short hairs because I've mentioned them already when we were talking about the Persians. Now, a lot of people when they go to cat shows and they're looking around and they see this cat and on the cage it says exotic, they say, well, that's just a Persian. It's just been shaved or it just looks like it's got short hair. Well, that's pretty much it. There are a lot of people who wanted the looks and the, the body type of a Persian, but didn't have the time for or didn't want the daily grooming demands. And so exotics are really one of the best kept secrets of people who own and breed cats. They look and are bred to meet the Persian standard in every way, except instead of a long flowing coat, they've got this thick, dense, very plush, very short coat and it gives them kind of a rounded look and of course they're not going to mat or tangle um, they were actually bred from crossing persians to american shorthairs back in the 1960s and so they're absolutely wonderful little cats and if you are a cat owner who wants minimal grooming care but you want that soft nature of the Persian, the, the very mellow nature of the Persian, then definitely an exotic short hair is one that you want to think about. All right, let's put them aside for a little bit. Let's talk about how the British and American short hairs differ from each other. The British short hair is a very compact and powerful cat, and certainly the American short hair is also strong and hardy. Now, remember what these cats were doing as the breed was being developed. These cats were outdoors dealing with the elements of North America, dealing with the elements of the British Isles, and so these cats have developed thick coats, strong, short bodies, so that they can withstand these harsh winters. They're very deep body and full-chested animals, short, strong legs, and very round paws. Now, if you put a British short hair side by side with an American short hair at a show, what you'll see is the American is going to have a little bit longer legs, a little bit larger ears, and the head's not going to be quite as round as the British short hair. It's going to be more of an oblong type of, of head. And also, the Americans are a little bit less square than the British short hairs, so they look probably a little bit more like the cats that you would think of as being an everyday cat, a domestic short hair. But again, that pedigree nature, once you get in and you handle them and you see the solidness of these cats, it's, it's an amazing thing to see. I'm looking at some pictures right now on the CFA.org website, and we've got best of breed Stedham's Lucky 13 of Yankee Star. It's a brown tabby, and his face, it's just, it's round, it's nice, but it's not a Persian face. And I think that's a very, very important distinction because Persians have been used, especially on the British side, to develop these breeds and to solidify the body types of these breeds. But we don't have that Persian nose. We don't have that short nose. You've got a straight nose going down, no stop to it at all. And that's a very important distinction. There are some famous short hairs out there. We've already mentioned the Cheshire Cat. 
But if you are a person like me who likes to watch television, then you'll notice some short hairs on some of the TV commercials. One of the Whiskas cats is a chinchilla or shaded silver British short hair. And Sheba cat food also uses a British blue short hair as one of their spokes cats. I've not seen this commercial, but evidently there's another shaded silver British short hair that is used in the Bacardi Breezer commercial. Now, I've not seen that, and the uh, information may be a little dated, so that commercial may not be around anymore. But even those of you who are horror fans and who like Stephen King, you'll recognize that Church, Winston Churchill, the cat in Pet Cemetery, was actually a British short hair. So very interesting breeds, and just because they look like a domestic cat doesn't mean that they are domestic cats. These are just amazing little breeds, and I urge you to go to the CFA website, cfa.org, take a look at some of these pictures. I think that you'll fall in love with some of these cats just as I have. We need to take a quick break and talk with our sponsors again. When we come back, I've got some news for you about how cat owners seem to be healthier than dog owners, yay for us, and also how your cat can actually assist people who are in the hospital. We'll be right back after these messages. Ooh, do I hear a can being opened? I believe I smell tuna. Catitude will return after these messages. That should give me enough time to investigate what's going on in the kitchen. Don't have a hissy fit. We'll be right back. Molly, here's your dinner. (coughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. How dare they open a can of tuna and make a sandwich out of it? I can see why some of my celebrity pals prefer lasagna. Well, anyway, I did manage to grab myself the canary while I was in there. Quiet, bird. We're going to hear the rest of my show, Catitude. If you behave, I may not eat you until later. Okay, Tom, you may continue. And welcome back to Catitude. We just got done talking about British and American short-haired cats. And one thing that I did not bring up that I brought up with the other breeds is that these breeds are pretty healthy and pretty hardy. They do not have the congenital type of issues that we've talked about with some of the previous breeds like the Persians and the Siamese. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that these cats, of course, come from a very long background of a lot of different mixes. And even in recent years, like I said, right after World War II, they had to cross back to some other breeds to save their individual breeds. But that what that's done 
is that has given us a healthy cat with not many, if any at all, genetic shortcomings. Okay, I promised that I would talk with you a little bit about how cats, cat owners actually, could be a little healthier. And there is a study that was just posted in February of 2008 that talks about how cats can reduce your risk of heart attack and cardiovascular disease. Now, this was released at the American Stroke Association meeting in New Orleans. And evidently, the University of Minnesota, there's a stroke research center up there, and they looked at about 4,500 people between the ages of 30 and 75. And of those people, if you had never owned a cat, your risk of heart attack was 40% greater than those of us who own cats. And there's a 30% increase in death from cardiovascular disease among not non-cat owners. And the real interesting thing, and I think you guys are going to cheer when you hear this, is that dogs didn't offer the same relief. Now, we know that owning pets is a good thing. It helps to lower your blood pressure and everything. But this is one of the times where it looks like our cats are doing a little bit better than the dogs out there. So certainly, um, I think this is good news for all of us. And February was National Cat Health Month. We know that there's about 82 million cats out there versus 71 million dogs. But the sad thing is our cats don't get treated the same as our dogs. We tend not to take them to the veterinarian as often because we think they're more self-sufficient. And so there's a lot of good websites going up, and I'm going to have those for you on the next show, that talk about the need for biannual physical exams and keeping up to date on vaccines and all of those kind of things. Going back to this um, survey about the stroke and the cat owners, it is, again, controversial. Um, there is a chairman of the cardiovascular medicine unit at Cleveland Clinic who is the past president of the American College of Cardiology, and he basically said, if you believe this research, I have a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you at a good price. So there is some controversy associated with it, but I think the important thing is we all know that cats are good for us. In fact, if you sit and pet your cat for about three to five minutes, there's enough endorphins released that it's going to relax you and it's going to relax your cat as well. Now, you may wonder, how can I export this love of my cats and, you know, my cat does such good things for me? Can my cat help other people? And certainly, we know all about the unconditional love of our pets, but your cat could become a therapy animal. And this is something that is important. And there was a study, and this one is less controversial than the, the one I just mentioned, but a study by the American Heart Association provided scientific proof that if someone is in the hospital and they have a pet come and see them, pets will lower the blood pressure, lower the heart rate, and lower anxiety of patients who have heart failure. Now, they took a lot of time and carefully measured vital signs and stress hormones, and there was only about 76 of these heart failure patients. But what they found was that the patients had lower levels of stress hormones like epinephrine, lower blood pressure, and lower lung pressure scores. These people had pet visitors, and people who had human visitors or no visitors at all, they had much, much higher scores. And so we know that pets are good. And what you can do, you hear all the time about guide dogs and dogs who are doing um, service-type dogs. So you, you see the seeing-eye dogs or the canine companions for independence. Now, that's totally different from what I'm talking about here. These dogs are highly trained to specifically assist 
individuals with the chores of day-to-day living. What I'm talking about here is actual therapy animals that could be any type of animal. Your dog, your cat, even horses have been therapy animals. And all of this is good news for the Delta Society, and I invite you to visit their webpage, deltasociety.org. And since the 1970s, they have promoted the use of therapy animals to educate the public about health benefits of pet ownership and to help also improve the recovery quality of all of these ill patients. There's another website, Therapy Dogs International, and again, we're cat owners here, so maybe we don't want to see this, but it can give you an idea of what it takes to be a therapy-type animal. And what these animals will do, the dogs, the cats, even the horses, is they will go into hospitals and nursing homes and other places and actually help relieve the stress and sometimes the boredom of the patients who are there. Now, there's probably more than 20,000 animals that are registered across the United States and Canada that are certified as therapy animals. What they do is they call these animal-assisted activities, and the dog or cat is basically trained to not be shocked by sudden noises, um, that they can maneuver around equipment, around people, around wheelchairs, and they'll bring the animals into situations that can interact with these individuals and many of these people are bedridden they can't interact in normal social situations you know children who are in long-term care facilities a lot of times um, really enjoy having these pets come in so this is an opportunity for you cat lovers if you want to give back a little bit to society is to take your cat into a meet and greet type session this really brings joy to the people who's Obviously, their life is repetitious treatments and, you know, they can't get out and they're just, they're bored and they don't have any activities that stimulate their emotions or stimulate their intellect. Now, some of these animals will interact with single individuals and these people will have specific goals set for them. And it often involves coordinating physical actions with interaction of the pet. And the great thing for cats with this is you can take your cat in once they're certified as a therapy animal and allow somebody who's trying to relearn motor skills to take a brush and brush across the cat's back or maybe um, a child who's trying to learn motor skills or a child who is trying to learn to interact socially can feed small treats to a cat from a container. I think this is a wonderful way to get our cats out there and get them interacting. Now, not all cats will be able to do it. Obviously, some cats don't like to be away from home. But certainly, if you think your cat's very social, then it's a possibility that you may want to think about animal-assisted therapy. And again, you can look at the Delta Society, deltasociety.org, and they can give you some ideas on places that you can go. The neat thing is there's been a lot of legislation that has now passed that allows dogs and cats who are therapy animals to visit the normally off-limit areas of hospitals. Now, yes, we do get concerned about zoonotic disease transmission, um, but the welfare of these people is just so much more important. And so by watching what we do and making sure that our pets are up to date on their vaccines and their dewormings, we could take our pets in and bring a lot of joy to these people. It should make you feel good about this. So talk with your veterinarian about it. Talk with the Delta Society about it. You may even know somebody in the hospital who would 
enable you to find a solution and, and get your cat in there and helping out. Our cats are just wonderful parts of our families, and I think that we should share them as much as we can, as long as they are willing to do that. Well, that's about it for today. I really enjoyed talking about the short-haired cats. We kind of wrapped up three breeds in one there. And I want to continue with short-haired cats next time I'm on and talk about some of the more wild-looking cats, the Abyssinians, the Somalis, the Aussie cats. These are some breeds that we need to devote some time to because they're becoming very popular. And, of course, because of their wild, almost feral-looking nature. But they're absolutely adorable cats, and I think that you'll enjoy them as much as I do. So for now, if you have any questions, don't forget you can email us at tom at petliferadio.com again tom at petliferadio.com and i'll try to answer your questions like i did for elizabeth this week if it's a behavior question if it's a medical question i may pull in some of my friends from the veterinary news network or dr bernadine cruz over on the pet doctor channel here at pet life radio and see what kind of answers they may have for us for now i hope you go out enjoy your cats go have some feline fun and we'll see you next time on the catitude channel Bye-bye for now. Want to know what cats like to eat for breakfast? Mice Krispies, of course. Learn everything there is to know about cats on Catitude with your host, Tom Dock. Each week, we'll spotlight a cool cat breed, give up-to-date advice on cat health, and check out spiffy new cat products. So curl up on the couch every week for a perfectly enjoyable time on Catitude, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.